0: Welcome to The Trade Table on Sin 90.7 for all you need to know about the trade and free agency period powered by AFLTRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table or follow us on Twitter at The Trade Table. Hello and welcome to The Trade Table once again. We're coming to you live on Sin 90.7 as well as through our Facebook page on Facebook Live. It's a sunny Tuesday afternoon and we've got plenty of news to go through today, as well as our club focus looking at JWS and Port. Sam, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm very excited. As you said, it's a lovely day outside to be stuck
1: in the studio, but it's right because we're talking about trades, aren't we? Harrow, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, today's another sort of, you know, not a huge day. It feels like we're sort of just waiting for that big day. It hasn't been a big trade period um, to date yeah. in terms of actual trades being done, but, I mean, it probably just builds it up for the last few days to be enormous. I think it's just around the corner for us to look forward to, but uh, the big the big news today was
0: a done deal Kalamarchi to West Coast for two th- for a 2018 third-round pick. West Coast also received Ports' fourth-round pick. Do you
2: think that's a bit of a steal, Harry? Well, so basically what... what um, what west coast have done sorry what port have done is upgrade their fourth round to a third round yeah. and given up Brennan Archie he obviously wasn't in their best side um, but west coast i mean number 1 is a west coast boy west coast given they've lost so much out of the midfield and and he fits so perfectly um, I think he is a little bit of a steal from West Coast side of it, but I, I don't think Port will be shattered. I mean, Brennan Archie wanted mm. to go, so I didn't think they wanted to stand in his way. So I guess you could call it a steal, but I think it's good fit for West Coast. Um, as I said, I mean they've lost Mitchell Pritis, they need to fill fill that hole. Um, he's an underrated midfielder who has performed when he's when he's been at the level, but he's only he's only played 27 games since he was um, drafted in 2011. He had, you know, he's ha- he has had standout games when he when he has played. Um, he's got a burst of pace. They need that in their midfield. They got, he's got a thumping right boot, um, and he can be a bit mercurial at times as well. Yeah, um, as you're saying, he does fit
0: really well into
1: that midf- uh, West Coast midfield. He come you know, they're losing, you know, a lot of older players who weren't really that fast. So it's a nice change a bit of in- pace injection into the team. And um, you know, you're having a look at this um, deal, you know, just from the uh, from the outset, and it looks pretty looks pretty like the Eagles are getting a really good deal out of this one. You know, they. Um, they only have to, um, Port are only getting really, um, you know, next year's third round pick. Yeah. They're, they? like, yeah, they're, they're just Yeah, they're just upgrading really getting from much. But I think don't, I don't think Port will be too concerned. You know, they have so many
2: midfield players already. He wasn't getting the game. They're kind of just really offloading a player. Exactly. they their list, aren't they? Exactly. I mean, from Port's perspective, it's annoying because you always want to have midfield depth. Mm. But, I mean, from the player's perspective, it's like, well, I don't want to be a depth player. I mean, he's someone yep. who, when he gets in, can cement himself but he ha- just hasn't been given the opportunity to cement his spot so look Port have, I mean Port they've upgraded to a third round pick and which you know you might not get a good player out of that you might but I mean they, they wouldn't be shattered because they, they, they wouldn't have wanted to stand in his way but This is, I mean, this is now his opportunity for West Coast. It could work out for West Coast for him to cement his spot. And and even if he can't break into their midfield, starting midfield, Mm. um, he's he's shown the ability to play forward. He kicked three goals against the Suns this year in round eight. um, So he could be a really good fit. Yeah, well, Dan and I had an argument about
0: his position (laughs) as a player, whether he's an inside midfielder or outside midfielder at his best. Um, And... The West Coast list manager came out and said that they see him <laughs> playing as an inside mid. So, guy, uh, you listening, Dan? <laughs> done, done deal there, Dan. Uh, but no, he. I think. I think you mentioned it with the loss of of Pritis, I think uh, they're sort of screaming out for that those tough inside ball winners, and I think it's a bit of a void that West Coast needs filling. And it's the opposite with Port, isn't it? They've got a plethora of those types. Oh, players. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on. Uh, Let's look at the Dar- Darcy Lang trade with Gold Coast looking like the front frontrunners, follow- followed by Carlton and then North. And this could... Do you think... Do you see this as a potential sort of stakeholder in the Ablett trade, Sam, down the yeah, line? Yeah, I
1: think so. I think he's like... Again, it's one of those ones where you're waiting for one trade to happen so that clubs can make other things happen. Um... Tony Sheehan today has, you know, sort of responded to a couple of tweets. He's said that Darcy Lang, to to the Roos, um, you know, Swallow to the Suns and then mm. Ablett to the Cats. So I think it's another three-way trade deal that, you know, Darcy Lang will probably be the first one to fall on that. Do you reckon that's a good fit for three clubs, Hulk?
2: Uh Not quite. Geelong losing yeah, out of that. If that if Geelong lose um, Darcy Lang and gain Gary Ablett, well, G- Gary Ablett's clearly the player that he is, but mm-hmm. I'd be wanting to hold on to Darcy Lang. Um I mean, yeah, he's he's not he's someone that wants opportunity but doesn't necessarily, you know, want to get up to the Gold Coast. So, I mean, if he was a Gold Coast boy and wanted to get up there, I'm sure they wouldn't stand in his way. But, I he mean, I think I there. think they'd be wanting to hold on to Darcy Lang and I think they'd be um, disappointed, really disappointed if they lost him. Um, I mean, if Gold Coast are the front runners, then it's a, it's a good coup for Gold Coast. I mean, they need depth in their midfield. They um, Darcy Lang can play midfield, he can play... Outside mid could play, inside mid could play forward. Mm. Um, it, I mean, it'd be a good pick for uh, pick up for Gold Coast, but if I'm Geelong, if I was long I mean, so a bit you
0: wouldn't want to bring in Gary Ablett, one of the best players of our generation, for Darcy Lane.
2: No, for Darcy Lane. No, not for Darcy Lane. Who's had? I mean, oh, if if there was very the,
0: limited sort of impact in the in the ones had at this had stage of his a career. little bit of troubles
2: with injuries and had hasn't mm. been able to get consistently on the park through form as well. Yeah, he's only um,
1: played um, 44 games in, what is it, four seasons? If you're now.
2: saying just a straight swap Ablett for Darcy Lang, I'd be a bit disappointed. So
0: do you think Geelong aren't in a chance of that sort of, uh, those premiership contenders? Because well, surely I you'd mean, be looking to bring in Ablett if they were. That's the,
2: look, if it happened and, and Geelong won a flag because of it, They'd then, be worth it. then perfect. Of course yep. it's worth it. But it's it's a big risk. Okay, so it's a bit of an all or nothing
0: situation for yours if they... I think so. If they decide to let go of Young Darcy. All right. Well, uh, moving on to the Fremantle Dockers, who allegedly have wanted to try uh, to receive pick two for Lockie Weller <laughs> from the Gold Coast. Look, I think this has to be part of a deal. Um, I don't
2: think has to be. Well, do you think Lockie Weller's is worth pick two? He's not worth pick two. No. Yeah. No chance. He's he's not very far off. Yeah. I, mean, the difference, I mean, a the, part of an extended deal with more picks, I still running. would be hesitant to give up pick two. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, he's the closer you get to the top of the draft, the um, sort of the further away the yeah. value of picks are. So, pick two, pick six is yeah. a lot different to pick 32 and pick 36. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Lockie Weller is potentially worth a top 10 pick, um, but not pick two. So, do you think he's still worth that? First round draft pick. Yes. Yep. Yes, for sure. No, I mean he's. I mean a lot of Terry Wallace called him a special player. I mean he's he's got a lot about him. And he, he, he there's no. I think I think he showed already. That mm. There's no doubt he'll play a serious role wherever he plays. I think Freeman will be really really disappointed if if he leaves because
0: uh, Ross is finally sort of playing the youth after after years of criticism <laughs> of, of <laughs> doing the, of the opposite. Guns, yeah. Um. You know. He's and he's they've they finished off the year with 100-point losses, um, but he's playing the kids, and now he's potentially going to lose one of his best kids. So yeah. it's, it's a little bit of a concern for, for the Fremantle Dockers, isn't it?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Um, he, they, 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 there's no doubt that he's someone that they'd be wanting to hold on to. I think he was a pick 13, and, and since then he's definitely not gone down in that value. He's held, if not, mm. if not increased. Um, uh, Ross would see him as a part of their team for the next 10 years. You know what he is? He's, he's a perfect fit for the Saints. If he had wanted to go play with his brother, he's exactly what they need. Um, but mm. obviously, he's a Gold Coast boy, so he wants to go home. Yeah. Now
0: I'm going to throw in a hypothetical here. What Sam? I want to know what you think of yeah. the Dockers giving up their pick five, mm-hmm. and then Gold Coast throwing them one of their second rounders in part of that part of that well so,
1: um so, how would the deal work? It'd be Locker, Lockie Weller to Gold Coast. Yes. And then Gold Coast would give him a second rounder.
0: Yep.
2: And Fremantle would give them pick five. Hold on. So, what do you mean? Weller and five for a second round and two? Or just a second rounder? Two second rounders.
0: Oh, uh, there's no way. No. Nah. Uh, one second rounder and and a, and a first rounder.
2: Sorry. Because that's been thrown around. Today. No, that's still a lot to give away. That's still a lot I think to so, give away. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not sure. Like, I think Lockie, what Lockie Weller, first, definitely, definitely a late first round pick, I'd say. Um, look, I mean, he's he has improved. He, um, he's come from, like, so you look at the last. He's played 22 games in the last two seasons, and um, he's 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 averaged 15 touches last year, 20 touches this year. So he looks like a he he looks like a he looks like a first like a late first round player kind of thing.
2: But I'm not sure if he's worth that level. Yeah, I mean he's not. I mean I wouldn't be giving up top five picks for him, um, or you know a a serious amount. But uh, he's he's worth a lot.
0: Well, with the Giants uh, losing potentially a couple of players this this trade period, uh, Adam Tomlinson seems to be off the trade table. Um, with Saints list manager Amit Baines confirming that they've stopped pursuit of the the toll utility. How important do you think Tomlinson is to JWS's list, Sam? Um yeah, he's incredibly
1: important, isn't he? Um um I'm not surprised that he's off the table now because I don't think GWS want to lose him. They're
2: losing a couple of players. Yeah. Oh, they, I mean, they would have. They've already they would lost have, they, um, you'd, you'd think they would have been just laughing off the tension from Adam Tomlinson. there's no way they're giving him up. He fits into their back six so perfectly. You know, with Nick Haynes, Phil Davis. He. We've talked about him before. He is that modern type defender yeah. who, who who can play key key back, but can go into the midfield. Um, he's seriously versatile. There's no way that the Giants would have been wanting to give him up yeah he played
0: such a Best player an amazing finals. amazing game against Richmond in yeah. their loss yeah. like a, so he's a player that can rack up disposals despite his role um, uh, moving on to the interest heightening around Josh Shackey uh, the Bulldogs are looking like they're circling the young Ford. Do you think with losing Jake Stringer, um, Shacky fits in well in their team?
2: Um, no, not not for me. Uh, if I list you these players, not not all these will will play, but let me explain. So, Cordy, Cloak, Campbell, Boyd, Roberts, Roughhead, Adams, Collins, L- Young, Morris, English, Redpath, and Cramery. And if you're adding Shacky to that, even if I mean out of the players that I just named, probably what three or four of them will play regularly. But even, even if the other players aren't playing, they're still on your list. And it's a lot of players to have that are over 194 centimetres. Yeah. And I just don't see where Josh Shackie fits into that. Do you think Bulldogs are really looking to establish
0: uh, a gun key forward? Do you think they've got a few in the sort of no man's land zone with Redpath not emerging as they might have hoped through injuries? Mm-hmm. Um, and then all their other key forwards are so young with Cordy and English. Oh, he's a ruckman, but... They're, they've got a lot of inexperience. So perhaps adding Shaki is they see him as being the leader of that group and being someone that can drive those uh, th- that group of young players to elevate themselves to the next
2: level maybe. Yeah, but potentially. But there's a couple things to that. I mean, I think it's hard to say, well, we don't have top-end talent in our keys so just we have a lot of them but we're going to add to more of them just because mm. we don't have absolute top end talent I mean I think that just hurts your list balance okay. and also I think he, he isn't quite you know that star yet oh, no, I mean not. he I hasn't mean, sure. he hasn't proven to anyone that mm. he will be so I mean it is a fair point and I like, and I like that idea mm. but I just think with that many uh, players over 194 centimetres on your list it, I think it really hurts your list balance yeah, for sure. I think it's all it's all hopeful at this stage
0: of the of his career. You know, we've we haven't seen him really put together those consistent performances for Brisbane. I mean, Sam, you know him well as a Brisbane supporter. Yeah. Do you think that he's just a young key forward that needs that time or do you think he's potentially someone that's overrated by the media? No,
1: I don't think he's overrated at all. I mean like like we said when we first talked about him, you look back at um, his uh, his tag cut performance and that kind of thing, and you look at how he goes in that, and he was doing incredibly well in that. The thing is, I'm not sure if that's going to be a really good fit for them for him though, because he's got there's so many similar kind of players that are all young that are kind of not really elite in that in that, and he's just going to be playing around very similar players to him, whereas he really needs more experienced players to work off and sort of learn around. I would say.
2: Just quickly before we before we move on, I mean, he's I've. Sort of mentioned this before. <laughs> Everyone talks about him as as someone who you know we thought he was going to be this key, this superstar key forward, but he wasn't drafted to be a superstar key forward in his first two years. So I mean, it's hard. He, obviously, he bullied the boys in the TAC Cup, and he and he deserved, and he was um, the top two players in the draft, but he was never drafted to dominate in his first two years. So it's hard to criticise him when he's only been in the system for two years and and you know, only played twenty or thirty games. hmm yeah, speaking
0: of Brisbane, uh, their list manager David Noble's come out and said that uh, they're they're hopeful of securing Luke Hodge. I don't know if you've heard of him. He, he's he's all right. He's all right. Uh, in the preseason draft, um, I mean that would be such a good deal for Brisbane. Um, oh, of
2: course. I mean we've talked about it before. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, if I, if I was Chris Fagan, the first thing that I would I would say to Josh Shackey if, he, if, he, if they didn't trade him and he can walk back into the office and had a chat to him, I'd say. Yeah. Luke, I mean, sorry, Josh, meet Luke. I think
0: it's important because there's a lot of doom and gloom around Brisbane um, with, with the results, the way they're going, with their losing players. We're finally getting a little bit of positivity. Cameron... Hodge, uh, I think it's it's encouraging for the supporters and for the fan
2: base for sure. Yeah, it's just taking a while though, isn't it? Yeah, just it is. Um, a bit
0: but <laughs> I think Hodge would Hodge
1: will be a really good fit at Brisbane if he does come in that preseason draft. Yeah, because um, they've got they've got a good defence, but it's a young defence, isn't it? And they need they just need a little bit of experience in there. The same with Karen. he's just gonna, he's only going to do good things for the uh, for their team.
0: Yeah. Uh, he or, just quickly he also uh, ruled out Matthew Loby as an option with Martin Smith. Uh, McInerney now we thought Martin might be interested in a move away from Brisbane
2: but he looks like he's staying how important is that Harrison yeah it's huge I mean he's, he's um he complements. I mean he makes that midfield look so good doesn't he yeah I um, mean he has impact around the ground he's, he's hard to go with for such a big unit he's hard to actually go with around the ground
0: yep and the last bit of news for today Andrew, Swally, Andrew Swallow is looking more and more likely to join his brother on the Gold Coast uh we talked about it a little bit in yesterday's podcast, but um, do you think it's important for the young uh, Suns midfielder uh, midfield
2: to have that experienced body in there, Harrison? Um, yeah, and it's sort. I mean, his experience could be a good fit up there, but it's another. It's sort of another bit of a Michael Barlow. I mean, they sort of have they have that already, and he's worse than Barlow uh, for mine, he's, Well, yeah, yeah he. Um, I mean, he's not guaranteed to play ev- all 22 games. He's fact, like, pretty unlikely to play all 22 mm-hmm. games. So, look, I mean, he could play a role up there, but I wouldn't say it... So, it's certainly not long-term, and I certainly... Oh, I mean, I'm not, I don't think it's something I'd look at if I was Gold Coast. One thing I would say is that North... If North knew that Swallow would be looking at other options, I don't think they would have delisted Sam Gibson. Mm, yeah. Fair
0: call, fair call. Now, we've got a very special treat today. Uh, we've, we're have we joined by Lucy Watkin, AFL reporter for AFL.com, who's joined us to talk about the AFL W draft... Now, Harrison's uh, all over this, so I'm going to hand over the mic to guest uh, host
2: Harrison with, right. with, with Lucy. Welcome, Lucy.
3: Thank you so much Thanks for, for coming in. thanks
2: Thanks for joining us. No, that's
3: okay. Thank you.
2: So, Lucy, we'll get straight into it. What are your yes. thoughts on the number one pick? Who's going to go number one?
3: Look, I think this draft is so... Just like anything could happen. Like the more I've looked at it, the more I've like started everything like that. It's just yeah. like what is going to happen. I think I wrote like three drafts for the first round, but round one pick one should hopefully go to Chloe Malloy. I say hopefully because there is a chance that Isabel Huntington could uh, sort of come in and take that uh, that spot from Chloe. But I think the accolades that Chloe have speak for themselves. Tac, Best and fairest. TAC Team of the Year, VFLW Rising Star, VFLW Leading Goal Kicker, and VFLW Team of the Year—all in her first year of VFL. So she should go to the Western Bulldogs. Pick one, especially because they need someone up forward mm. to support Katie Brennan.
2: Yeah. Can you just give us a? I mean, I think she had a was she, she had a basketball background. Um, she played basketball for most of her junior career. Can you just give a? A bit of a summary on Chloe Malloy.
3: Yeah, so she actually had all the papers signed, ready to go to go play basketball over in the US for um, college. Not quite sure what college that was, but then saw the AFLW take off and thought it was like, well, that's that's actually what I want to do. So stuck around um, and represented the Calder Cannons in the TAC um, as a top age player, and then went on to play for Diamond Creek in the VFL. And as I just mentioned, was one of the standout players, and I don't think we'll probably see another girl come in like she did from the TAC into the VFL probably ever again because it was quite phenomenal.
2: So impact straight away. Yeah,
3: exactly. Impact straight away, um, like not many of the classy defenders of the VFL, even some experienced ones, couldn't couldn't put a stop to her um, and plus topped it all off with, maybe not topped it off with, but she did um, injure her shoulder ligaments in the grand final, but Picked herself up
2: and still, kick the goal. and still
3: kick the goal. So <laughs> that just shows you how tough this girl is. Yeah.
2: So, so you mentioned Isabel Huntington. Can you give us a summary of her and if um, what are the chances of her potentially going number one as well?
3: Yeah. So Isabel Huntington is she is quite amazing in that she's being picked like picked for like this round one pick and hasn't played football since 2016. So was phenomenal last year in the under 18s. Uh, Competition was all Australian in the under 18s last year. Who did she play for? Uh, it, for Victoria. Um, kicked five goals and got 30 possessions in one game uh, last year. So Saddy. I think, yeah, <laughs> so that cemented her into sort of, you know, women's footy folklore. But mm. unfortunately, did her ACL uh, and couldn't play for all of 2016. And on top of that, has a minor calf indistri- injury, so couldn't test at the AFLW combine a few mm. weeks ago. So the fact that this girl is still in contention for the number one pick is quite amazing and she must be a good player, but she is a tall sort of centre-half forward but plays like, uh, like a small forward, very good on the ground, can kick a goal, um, set shot on the run, snaps them, whatever you want. So she of, can do it. Yeah, exactly.
2: Sort of a Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, exactly. What, so what – What? I mean, if the Dogs have the number one pick, why would they go for one or the other? Can you compare the two?
3: See, this is a tough one because the dogs desperately need a forward that can support Katie Brennan. We saw last year when Katie Brennan – or this year, I should say – when Katie Brennan wasn't playing because of her injury, the dogs just didn't really – they couldn't fire up forward and they have a very strong midfield duo in Ali Blackburn and Emma Carney and they need a target. Um, So the only thing that I would say that would get Isabel Huntington over the line um, from Chloe Malloy would be her height and her strength in the air and on the ground – but I think with Chloe Malloy showing her prowess and just how good and how impactful she is, um, I reckon that's what will get Chloe over the line over Isabel and Isabel's height and all that will get her over the line over Chloe if that happens.
2: Yeah, so you think if, if they picked, if they went with Isabel Huntington, that'd sort of be their two-prong attack in the, as in mm-hmm. their two key forwards, Katie Brennan and, and Huntington?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just, yeah, support to Katie Brennan I think is their biggest yeah, one. Okay.
2: How, how do you see the whole first round playing out?
3: whole first round, it's very tough because I think Frio need um, a more f- forward, but they've said that they want to attack the draft and get a good sort of ruck, um, get a good ruck um, pick. And um, they're the best um, sort of candidate for Frio, Kate Bartlett, Bartlett, I should say, another, yeah, K Bartlett, KB. Um, <laughs> she actually has nominated for New South Wales draft pool. So... Jeez. Oh, so in AFRW, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you dra- you can nominate what state you want to get drafted to, yeah. because it's not a professional sport. You can't,
2: yeah. like you mm. can't
3: just be drafted anywhere because of payment and all that kind of stuff. But so Frio's best sort of candidate for their like sort of key forward, uh, the best player in WA in the under 18s, uh, Kate Bartlett, has nominated for the New South Wales. Draft. Did she come
2: from New South Wales originally? No,
3: she's from um, like born and bred WA. So. Sort of weird. It it's happened last one. year with um, Jess Dalpos um, from Darabin Falcons. She plays for GWS and was drafted to them.
2: And then played for the Vicks in the All-Star game. And then, then she- played for the
3: Vicks in the All-Star game. So it's it makes it tough, but I think Freo will pick up their ruck with Taylor McAuliffe. And if it was 1-2-3, I'd say Chloe Moyd Western Bulldogs, Freo, Taylor McAuliffe, Collingwood, Isabel Isabel Huntington, for Western Bulldogs Monique Conti. And Monique Conti is another sort of amazing athlete who were was inspired by Erin Phillips. She has represented Australia in basketball in the under-17s. Um was Chloe Moy's teammate at the Calder Cannons and has been training with Melbourne Uni. Um, so she's another one. GWS, I think with Kate Bartless Bartlett um, sort of putting herself up for nomination in New South Wales, sort of opens that up as well. But I think their first pick will be Haneen Zurika who was a really tough inside mid, who was also in the All-Australian squad at the Under-18 Champions this year. Um, and the Melbourne pick, Melbourne's first pick at number six, I think it will go to Darcy Gutridge, who was named All-Australian captain this year. Very good intercept, like, halfback player. Mm. Um, however, I think one of the smokies could be Jenna Brun- Brutton, who played for St. Kilda Sharks, took out St. Kilda Sharks best and fairest this year in the VFLW. So that means she took it out over your Jasmine Garners from Collingwood, Bree Davy from um, Carlton, Tilly um, Lloyd from Carlton as well. So she's beaten out all of these AFW plays to get this, win this award for St. Kilda Sharks. So I wouldn't be surprised if she went first round. But if she doesn't go first round, I definitely think she'll go second round. Mm-hmm. Brisbane is another tough one. I think it will either be Kalinda Howarth or Ruby Blair who will go their first round pick and Adelaide um, Aloise Jones who is the premier talent from South Australia at the moment um, has played youth girls and was then uh, played for Glenelg I think in the initial, I mean inaugural uh, Sandful um, competition this year. So so it's, she's sort of the perfect midfield op, um, option for the Crows to sort of take some take some of the load off Ebony off their rising star, and, you know, so they can play Erin Phillips more in the forward line where she's the most dangerous.
2: Who do you see is unlucky if they do miss out on the first round?
3: I think unlucky if they miss out on the first round will be Darcy Gutridge, the Australian um, captain. And I think, honestly, as I said sort of coming into this, it's really anyone's anyone's like game who goes in this first round because I think what we'll see is a lot of these new girls from the under 18s coming through be taken in those first two rounds and in the following um, subsequent rounds we'll see more of the experienced um, talented like older players um, in the draft uh, such like such as the soccer like, VFL players who been playing for about four or five years, and also around the country. Um, like Renee Cowan, for example, she's from a soccer background, a bit older. Um, was nominated for the Queensland draft, um, stuff like that. So I think it's a very unique, a unique circumstance. The AFW draft, and that you do get some of those experienced yeah. players in. Yeah,
2: Lucy, how much impact do you think these um, these draftees can have in their first year in the system?
3: I think this is also what sets AFLW apart from the AFL, is that these girls coming through, some of them have played more football than the girls who played in the AFLW for the first season. So a lot of cross-code athletes who came in, like Erin Phillips had never played a season of football since she was 14 and she's well into her 30s now. Obviously, phenomenal athlete having played with the Opals and in the WNBA. But, you know, you have a lot of girls... um, coming through who have played football in youth girls. They've been playing in these under-18 championships for a number of years now. They know the game a lot better than maybe, as I said, a few few of the girls playing in FAW lists now. So I think we'll definitely see girls coming, the younger girls coming through who will make immediate impact on the competition. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's really good to hear. How can you, coming off the sort of the first draft ever last year, is it is it difficult? It might be difficult, but can you compare last year's draft to this year?
3: I think last year's draft, obviously, the biggest difference is the number of girls who are going to go through. And this is the only draft in a while now, because of the expansion, that we'll see only sort of the clubs that are in the competition be picking girls. Because next year we'll have North and – oh, it's gone. It's beyond me now. North – and Geelong, who will be joining the AFLW in 2019. They'll be in the draft next year and then we'll have the four new clubs following on from the next year. So I think this draft is new, unique in that it is just the clubs in the competition at the moment um, battling it out for these girls and I think also the other sort of unique factor of this draft is that it's the first draft we're seeing sort of this pathway where we're having girls who have played local footy, youth girls footy, representative footy TAC cup and now they're coming through into the AFLW draft so this is the first draft we'll see where that's happening as well which I think is great it's a great opportunity it's great that they've set up these pathways now it'll only benefit the game um more um whereas last year we did have so many players being chosen and a lot of those players were players that have played the game for quite a number of years and also a lot of sort of cross-code athletes as well coming into the game so I think that's where the difference lies where last year Lot of experience, a lot of cross-code. This year, we're seeing more players who are coming through those pathways. Yeah.
2: So, how do you see the comparison of the sort of the top-end talent? Would you? I mean, the first sort of handful of picks last year are they more value? Are they more talented than the first few picks this year?
3: Um. Good question. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I don't think we can really say until we've seen until we've seen them play. Uh, and. I think those girls who were in the first first round last year, a lot of them now have been traded to other clubs and playing for different clubs um, now as well. I was looking at a photo today and I was like, oh, wow, like, Bianca Jacobson's moved to Melbourne. Jamie Lambert has moved from Western Bulldogs um, to Collingwood, for example. But I think, you know, and there was a good, like, calibre of talent in that first round. Ebony Marinoff obviously went on to win the Rising Star. But I think the difference here will be that a lot of these first rounds will be these girls coming through these pathways, yeah. um, and honestly, I think we will have just as much good talent in this first round as we did last year.
2: Yeah, and obviously, the more the more it grows, and the more um, kids get exposure to, to to footy at a young age, the better the um, the quality will be as they come through when they're yeah. 18s. Yeah, exactly. Can you give us Can you give us a bit of a summary on what you think every club needs this year at the draft?
3: Sure, it can. Um, <laughs> So I think we've mentioned before, like Western Bulldogs, they have two first round picks. They've got the strongest draft hand, I would say. And um, we mentioned, you know, they do need that forward option, which they will take with pick one, hopefully, um, either Chloe Malloy or Isabel Huntington. But they do need a bit of midfield depth. They had amazing ball winners in Emma Carney and Ali Blackburn, Emma Carney I think took over 30 possessions in one game. And let's not forget the AFLW games are only 15-minute quarters. So to get rack up 30 possessions in a game like that is yeah. pretty amazing. Magnet. But they definitely need a bit more depth to help those two take the load off um, kind of thing. Collingwood, they, they have a lot of good ball users. They have Chiochi, they have Hope um, and Cameron in their forward line, Chiochi in the midfield. The thing is they lost two of their best players in the trade period, Eva Alicia Eva to um, GWS and Nicholas Stevens to Carlton, so they really need to replace those two, sort of fill the gaps that have been left by those two star quality players with just the best footballers that they can find. Frio, I think they obviously they have Kira Bowers returning from injury, and they've picked up Kelly Gibson, the marquee from Adelaide Premiership player as well. So they're, they're filling holes in that way, but you know they need they couldn't kick goals last year. Their leading goal kicker was Cara Donellan who plays from the midfield, um, and she only kicked four goals. So another key forward would be good for them. Unfortunately, as mentioned as well, Kate Bartlett has nominated for New South Wales, so where they will find their key forward um, is anyone's guess, but they also need a good ruck, which I think they will take in the first round. GWS like Frio, have two marquees returning from injury, which is great for them. They picked up Alicia Eva, as I just said, and also Pepper Randall from Melbourne and Beck Privitale from Carlton. So they've sort of got some good experienced players in their ranks now. So they need another good goal kicker. Phoebe McWilliams was their only target, really, in the season this year. And, you know, they've got Kate Bartlett now nominating, so they'll probably pick her up as a target. Melbourne only have four picks overall in the draft, and, look, they have a very, very well-balanced side. They have the best midfield in the comp, you know, Aliso Day, Daisy Pearce, Karen Paxman. They have Mel Hickey on um, the back line and Lily Mithen as well, the, one of their rising stars. So it'd be good to see them, you know, maybe pick up someone, some good back line players like Darcy Guthridge, who can play an intercept role and help take the pressure off the midfield um, defensively. Carlton, only four picks as well. They had a very busy trade period, picked up Taylor Harris, and Nicholas Stevens, so they're pretty balanced all over the side. They just need more midfielders, I think, in the depth. Adelaide, two more to go. <laughs> Adelaide, um, they're dominant all over. They have Aaron Phillips and Chelsea Randall. They've got Sarah Perkins as a key forward, um, but they just, I think, they were ranked seventh in the league, second last for clearances. So it'd be good for them to pick up a mid a midfielder to help them with that. And finally, Brisbane, who have the most draft picks. In the competition, will probably need to pick up um, a defender thing as they lost their All-Australian defender, Sam Virgo, to an ACL injury in the Quaffle Grand Final. So I think uh, a lot of opportunities for every club to sort of target something different. And yeah.
2: Um, do you see Taylor Harris as a big loss? Do you think they'll need to replace Taylor Harris in that with Sabrina frederick Chaw but forward?
3: Yes, so they've got Sabrina Frederick Traub up forward now, and also they picked up Bella Air through that trade from Carlton. Bella Air showed so many promising signs at Carlton that I was actually a little bit sad that they gave her up. Um, She's only eighteen, so has plenty of time to develop. So I think Bella Air is also quite tall as well. So I think if they play Bella Air and develop her right, she will be a very, very, very good forward for Brisbane Lions.
0: Before we let you go, in terms of the structure of the draft with the expansion happening in 2019 of North and Geelong, was it? Yes. How will that shape the draft? How will uh, those teams uh, get their players? What, What will happen there?
3: Well, I think Geelong is in a new, unique p- position as they have a VFLW team, um, a VFLW team that they have pretty much been treating like an AFLW tra- team. They play out of Simmons Stadium. They have a very good list. They have three or four AFLW-listed players from the inaugural season. So I think they won't have any trouble um, picking up talent. And North Melbourne have their alliance with uh, Tasmania. So they've said that they want to get 10 girls in the, on their list from Tasmania. So I think that's sort of where the pressure will be taken off in terms of the, the depth of the talent pool and that they're trying to take from um, from different areas. So I think it's good they've gone for it's like a, a regional solution for these first two teams. And I think where the talent pool will be really stretched is when we add in the four teams in 2020. So St Kilda, Richmond, West Coast and um, Gold Coast Suns. So I think that's where the talent will be very stretched, and I think when that time comes, you'll have a lot of these girls who maybe miss out this draft, get picked up next year, yeah. um, and then the following year I think we'll see maybe even some more experienced players as well getting picked yeah. up for the 2020.
2: Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Lucy. No, that's um, okay. Can you give us- Heaps of insight into into this booming game, which is only going to get bigger and bigger. We yeah. saw how big it was round one last year. Hopefully it'll be huge again next year. But thanks so much for joining us. No, that's okay. Thanks for your okay. insights.
3: I'm very excited to see how it plays out tomorrow, considering, as I said, it could go any way. But yeah. Exactly. I'll be there. Follow the AFL, um, the AFL website. We'll be streaming on Facebook, the whole draft, so you can see it all
2: play out. It'll be good. Can't wait. It'll be a big, wet day tomorrow.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Lucy. That's okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the trade table. We've got some breaking news in huge
2: news just now. Wow, we Jack <laughs> Watts for pick thirty-one. What do you think, Harrison? Um, I think if Jack Watts plays, how Jack Watts, uh, how we know Jack Watts can, I think this could even be a bit of a, a bit of a cheap deal for Port. Mm. Um, I think they'll be quietly happy with this. Um, but Melbourne have clearly. Well, I haven't given him marching his marching orders like Jake Stringer, but they've told him to explore his options so I, I don't think they'd be too disappointed with that either.
0: Yeah. I, I think in the grand scheme of things it's it's a disappointment for Melbourne, but it's it's something that clearly Simon Goodwin thought that um, you know, they were going in a different direction other than Watts and sort of cutting his losses and saying goodbye. But um, it's disappointing that he could never really reach that full potential at the D's. Yeah. Showed huge flashes of it. But um, do you see him reaching that potential at Port potentially, uh, Sam? Potentially, yeah, well, actually,
1: potentially, potentially. we um, we're, we're going to discuss a little bit more about him in just a moment. We well, let's we get jump. Let's, let's in jump into focus. the club
0: in focus. Let's go straight into it. And uh, do, we we're have, the top do we have Port first ladder? or GWS first? I think Port might be first. Port? All right. All right no we're going to jump straight into Port. So Sam's looked at Port for us. Yep. Sam, what's your best 22, mate?
1: So um, well, we'll just quickly start off with who they'll get so that we can do our best 22. Yep. And we can say Watts. We can genuinely say Watts yep. now. Jack um, watts. We him with an asterisk until so yep. about t- two minutes ago. Um, and they're also obviously going to get Rockcliffe. And we're going to chuck Motlop in there because it's... It's done, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it is And done. Um, and the, who are going to lose? They're going to lose um, Trengove, which happened right at the start of the trade period, MP mm-hmm. and um, Crack has been delisted. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of changes in there, three for three. Um, but that means that uh, their best 22 for next year is going to go a little bit like... Um, they're going to start off with Darcy Byrne-Jones, Tom Jonas, and Riley Bonner at the back. And then they're going to have Jasper Pittard... Dougal Howard and Hamish Hartlett playing off the half-back there. So that's a, not a bad back six. Um, in the centre, I'm going to go with Brad Ebert on the wing, Ollie Wines in the middle, and then Jag Polak on the other wing. And then on the half-forward, we're going to chuck Jack Watts straight in there. Mm. Chuck him straight in there on the half-forward flank. Um, Todd Marshall at centre-half-forward, and then Robbie Gray on the other half-forward flank. Um, and then their followers are going to be Steve Motlop. Um, he's definitely going to start straight away. Charlie Dixon at full-forward. And then Chad Wingard's going to play on the... Um, in the other pocket. And their followers are going to be Patty Ryder, Tom Rockcliffe and Travis Boak. And the interchange is going to be Sam Pepper, Dan Houston, Sam Gray, and Justin Westoff
2: Not a bad bench, I'll tell you I'll say That's that. a quality bench, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
0: Homsche. Homsche's very stiff to miss out. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it was just trying to find... Um, it's trying to find a spot for players. They have a lot of similar-sized players, and trying to make that work across... Um, and trying to make that work is just... It, I found it a bit difficult. Um, yeah. You'll see him... He's uh, definitely...
2: I, I, I'm, I, I think he's, he's
0: definitely ahead of Dougal Howard for mine, just with the... His Dougal ex- Howard p-
2: did play in the final.
0: His experience. I think Komsche's a, a regular for them, so that's a big call. Um,
2: what about Carl Amon? massive out. call. Carl Amon's
1: again, um, no. yeah, he played on the Amon, but I don't really... I don't really think he's quite as good as the... um did Steve Motlop slip into yeah. sl- sl- his yeah, spot? Yeah, I think Steve Motlop goes straight into his spot. And and if you're looking at Carl Ayman but Steve Motlop, you know. Still got so, a lot
0: of lot of kids there. We've got Dougal, uh, Howard, Riley Bonner. Darcy Burn jones Darcy Byrne-Jones, Todd yeah. Marshall. Um, obviously, scattered... Uh, Dan Houston on the bench, you've got. Power Pepper, too. Yep. Obviously, scattered with a lot of experienced guns. But um, I'm surprised to see so many rookies in that port side. So what do they have, Sammy? What do
1: they have... Um, so what they have, they have a lot of tall forwards, don't they? They have Dixon, Watts, Marshall, Gray, and then a lot of options just going forward in general. Those medium to tall sized players. They got a lot yeah, of so mids, they got a lot of mids who can mm-hmm. go forward. Yeah, don't they? yeah that's, that's probably um, great. They like. have a lot of um, rotation ability, don't they? Just between their forwards and their mids. Um, and it means their midfield is really deep. Exactly. Yeah, it means they're both midfield and their forwards really. deep. And it makes it hard to sort of play against them because they're constantly sort of moving around. There's a lot of rotation going on there, um, and just you're right in general. Their midfield is incredibly deep. Um, but what they need what they need is that actually at the other end of the uh, pitch. So they need a lockdown defender, I think, just to shore up their back six in the depth of their back line. Because, I mean, currently you're looking at have... They've got Tom Jonas and Dougal Howard, and um, Tom Cleary was one of my unluckies, along with Homsch and Carl Amon. So they're both missing out, and they just need really need a, another quality defender, don't they, just to sort of shore up that A bit of defensive depth. A defensive depth is all they really... Is What is their main thing that they need. And so that means that when they...
0: Go into the draft. Yeah, who are they looking for at the draft, Sam? So,
1: this has actually changed up a little bit because now their draft position is actually quite weak. They only have picks 34, 49, <laughs> and 62. So, they don't have a Jeez. lot. Of they've rules. lost 31. And they, they've fair. lost 31 yeah. only,
0: you know, a couple you, of minutes You see ago. those names that they've bought in, Rockliff, Watts, Motlop. It, it, ha- it has to come at a price,
2: doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Who do you think they'll go with with at pick 34? Um,
1: so, pick 34... Um, I'm looking at Harrison Petty. Um, he's a key position defender. He's 194 centimetres, 81 Big kilograms, boy. and is a South Australian. So that really kind of works in their favour. Um, he has a great overhead marking ability. He took 15 games and uh, took 15 marks in one of the uh, state rep games, I believe, this year. Mm. Especially overhead, he's really good overhead. And he's composed with the ball as well. And um, he has really good skills for defensive player. Scored 27 in the draft combine kicking test and has really good positioning. Um, he'll go what? early second round
0: yeah. if he what? slips to there. What about, do you see someone like Jackson Ross fitting in at Port Adelaide?
1: Um, yeah, I can, because um, they have a lot of midfielders. They probably need a. They pro- could probably do it with an outside midfielder, which is yeah. actually what uh, Jackson Ross is. He's 193, seven, nine hundred 193 centimeters, 75 kilos, and he'll fit well into that setup. He's impressed in school footy and in TAC Cup, mm. and he's worked and he has
0: worked himself well into major matches. Um, and uh, believe he's been interviewed by Port a few times as well. He has, so. yeah.
1: I think he's had the three interviews now as well. So he's looking like it could be quite an option. Um, what do you think needs to happen for Port? Um, in terms of what they need, they just don't need the inside balls in the midfield to run all into each other. They've got so many similar type players; you're kind of all having the same role. They need to have a bit more structure in the midfield, and they're hoping that their combinations is the, the way it works, and they don't get caught, you know, running into each other and taking the ball away from each other. And in terms of what can't happen. Um, they just can't have they just can't bully the bottom teams like what they did last year. So
2: And and not match it against the top teams. Exactly,
1: yeah. So you saw they would bully teams away, especially at home. They struggled a lot away as well.
2: Yeah, flat joke bullies is the label that exactly, they sometimes yeah. got.
1: And then and then um apart from I think maybe one circumstance I can remember. Um, they just they sort of like then can't match it against the best. So there's a lot. There. I think that comes though from having a lot of, as you said, really a lot of youth in their team. Mm. They have, if they have a lot of youth in their team, they're not going to be able to sort of play consistently good football every week. And that and that's something that they're only going to learn as they keep playing more footy. And I think you'll see that. You what your hope is that you can see that get better with them this year.
2: Yeah. What are your predictions for them? Um, How many wins?
1: So, so I think in their best case circumstance, they can. Go 15 wins and make top four and player an away qualifying final. I think they can do that if they play their best footy. Um, but if they, but in the worst case circumstance, it's 10 wins and finish 10th. Um, and I'm almost as willing to say having a really um, having a poor elimination final loss like what they did again this year because I, mean, I think they will struggle if they have another heartbreaking elimination final loss in similar style to what they did against West Coast this year. Um, And but in terms of what I think though, I think they're going to go thirteen to fourteen wins, and they're going to have a home elimination final next year. I think they can generally do that. That'll be big. And I think I don't think I can't see them doing what they did against West Coast again. So I I expect them to be playing at least a semi final um, next year.
0: That's Port Adelaide. Yeah, for mine, I think they're going to be lethal at home again uh, this year. They've got such a good team. I've still got doubts, but it's all it's all to come. We can't wait for the season to start already. Yeah, I like football. <laughs> sure. Now we're moving on to the Greater Western Sydney Giants, and Harrison has had a look at them. So
2: we're into the top four now. Um, the Giants finished fourth. Who they'll get? Well, there's not much going on. There's a bit of tumbleweeds. No one's really nominating the Giants as their destination. Um, so, we're not sure how active they'll be in getting players in. So, it doesn't look like there's too many there at the moment. They'll probably look to the draft. Who they'll lose is a long list of players. Devin Smith has gone to Essendon. Tom Downey's retired. Stevie Jay, he's ran out of legs and retired. Mzungu Kennedy... Oh, sorry, Mzungu is probably going to retire. Uh, Matthew Kennedy will probably go to Carlton. Nathan Wilson will probably go back home to Western Australia. Shane Mumford will probably finish up because of that ankle problems. Um, and they uh, will not lose Adam Tomlinson, as we've heard. Um, still, that's a lot. of but they've that's lost a lot of names. They've lost a lot of depth, and I mean, I think it could. I think it re- I really do think it could hurt them. But their best twenty-two is still unbelievable. From the back line, Nick Haynes is such an underrated player. Um, Phil Davis, Heath Shaw keeps getting it done. Zach Williams has become a genuine star off the half-back flank. Adam Tomlinson at centre half-back, even though he can play half-back flank, wing, midfield. Ryan Griffin was injured for a lot of last year, but I think he can play a really good role on the um, halfback flank. Um, Lockie Whitfield and Tom Scully, they're probably you won't find a better combination of wings in the comp. Callan Ward in the guts. Um, Toby Green has become just about the best small forward in the comp, just about. Um, Jeremy Cameron at centre forward. Delidio on the other half forward flank. Hopefully he can get a full season in next year. Um, Harrison Himmelberg had a, good season, had a good first season as that third tall. Um, he's in my pocket. Um, the general Johnny Patton at full forward I'd like to see him um, hold on to a few of those marks he sort of spills a lot of those marks that he should take um, I have Dylan Scheel in the other pocket which is I mean a bit of a backhand for such a good player but I couldn't squeeze him into the midfield yeah um, that's a bit harsh <laughs> I have with Shane Mumford most likely out I have Rory Lobb as the number one ruck which I like a lot better for their setup. I mean Shane Mumford has been a superstar but I like the combination of Rory Lobb in the middle and the two key forwards um, Josh Kelly and Stephen Caniglio, uh I think they're their two best midfielders at the Giants. Um, on the bench, I have Tim Taranto, Jacob Hopper, Will Setterfield, and if uh, Matt Buntine and Adam Kennedy both aren't fit, then I have Matt DeBoer playing on my in my last spot on my bench. Unlucky, this is where... I mean, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. I mean, Buntine, if he's fit, he's probably plays or potentially unlucky. Adam Kennedy, if he's fit, he's very unlucky to miss. And Aiden Aidan played probably most of the season this year, but with Haynes, Davis and Tomlinson, I couldn't quite fit him in. Um, but other than that, I don't see too many players that are actually unlucky to miss their best 22. I mean, this best 22 is... I mean, it's potential, I think, could finish first, second on the ladder. I mean, yeah. I think it's a, a brilliant best 22, but I actually don't see a lot of depth um, oh. under them. Um, what they do have is... I mean, they have, across their team, they have beautiful balance. And, I mean, balance in two ways. One is balance across from, in all three lines. But I also think they have beautiful balance of inside and outside plays through the midfield, in the back line. Um, I, I just love their balance all over the ground. Um, I really, to be honest, I really see strength on every line. I mean, there's not, their midfield's elite and you can go on about their midfield, but you can go on about their forward line as well. You go on about their backs with, even though they're losing Wilson. I think what they need really is... I've, I mean, I've said it a couple of times. I think they've lost a lot of depth. So just general... I mean, just general depth anyway. I mean, they've lost Wilson in their back line. Their midfield's a bit depleted as well with Kennedy probably going, Devin Smith and Tendai Mzungu gone. Tendai Mzungu, we didn't really expect to do much, but he did play a role and played a few games. Um, they have a lot of midfielders who play forward, but I, I mean, other than Stevie J, I don't really see that live wire, um, Chad Wingard, Stevie J type, type forward. So I think that maybe... A hole that they could fill mm. and they may be in the market for a ruckman um, considering t- Tom Downey retired and Shane Mumford will probably retire I think uh, they'd have to with
0: Rory Lobs not exactly uh, the most durable player in the competition is he
2: yeah and yeah I mean I, I'm not sure if they've, I mean, they've never, they haven't they've ever had to rely on him for a whole season
0: to play yeah. ruck well if he so, goes down uh, who are they playing in the ruck okay. they are playing
2: Patton or yeah well he may, may have to pinch it. um yeah. So the, I, I I agree.
0: I think that's a concern for them.
2: Yeah, you know, the potentially. Um, at the draft, um, look, as I said, they're missing depth in probably all three lines. Um, but because they're so balanced across the field, they may just take the best player available. So, they may not... Uh, and, they, and clubs often do in the top 10 or 15 anyway. Mm. Um, but they may not sort of pick one player over another just because of needs. At 11... As I said, they're one of very few clubs who genuinely may need to, to look at a Ruckman and Sam Hayes is clearly the best ruckman in the draft. Moves around the ground so well. Ask yeah. ask any ruckman that played on him this year. He just yeah. racks it up. I think if he drops to eleven, I think
0: they, they've got to it go yeah, well, club, steal. Clubs, uh, a Yeah, well clubs are
2: still clubs are often hesitant to take Ruckman early, they especially are, especially if they have he's a, he looks like a special player at this stage. Yeah, time. so may may go top ten, but could, could well slip to eleven. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Giants snapped him up. If not um, Nick Coffield is certainly around this mark. He's just got, it's oh, just easy as to watch. So much mm. composure, good kick on him. The cough. Um, can play, the cough can play the role of Wilson. Probably a bit tougher than Wilson, um, more versatile. Can go into the midfield as well. Um, at 27, Dylan Moore is someone um, someone who can play midfield or forward. He's a bit of a goal sneak. He's really good over his head for his size. He's, um, I think, like 174 centimeters, um, but he can play forward or mid, yep. similar to Devin Smith. Next year, what needs to happen for the Giants is they really need to sort out what their best team looks like early on. I mean, this year, we we struggled to really see the real Giants and and what their setup was. I mean, I don't think they worked it out until, you know, right at the end and it fell apart in the prelim. Um, so, I think, especially, look, with Mumford gone, they had so much tall timber and they were all in their best team, but it was hard to all fit them in. Mm and play their best footy. So I think it may be a bit of a blessing in disguise that Mumford's gone because I actually like the setup of as the number one ruck and their two keys. What can't happen... Look, towards the end of the last year, I really felt like the Giants lost their identity. Um, I, the, the Giants are a side who just own you in the inside and then and then they're gone in a flash. It's yeah, such a incredible. quick team. Yeah. Um, in, in a second, they're out of a stoppage and then they just run you off your legs. Um, when they play quick like that, they're almost blinding. Um, but yeah. I feel if they lose their identity like they did last year, they sort yeah. of just become a talented group of players. Um, yeah, they they didn't do that
0: consistently, did they, last year? They sort of lost that brand. Yeah. They, they showed it in flashes, um, the the match against Melbourne where they just destroyed them, but they didn't do it when it, when it, when it counted, did they?
2: Yeah, exactly. We, we didn't know what the real GWS was towards the end of the year. Um, my prediction for them... Look, the best case scenario for this unbelievable group of players, I think, could be 19 wins. Um, wow. Th- their ceiling is that high. I think worst case scenario is about 12, and that could even <laughs> that could even see them potentially slip out of the eight. I don't know. That's, that's a worst case scenario. But my prediction would be for them about 17 wins. I mean, I Ooh. wouldn't be surprised if they finished first. Wow. it's a big call. It is a big call. So,
0: better than Sydney, better than uh, Adelaide, better than Geelong. With Richmond. Adler, Richmond. I think
2: the Giants, with the Giants yeah, the identity, giant. I think I think they could finish first. All right. all, all, right. Right. all, all right. right, That's my wrap right. of the Giants.
0: Right. Well, we've got a few thinking on your feet questions to wrap the show up. Uh, first off, let's stick with AFLW. Who's your shout to win the AFLW this year, Sam?
1: I'm going to go a bit left to centre with this one. Um... I'm going to go the Western Bulldogs. They didn't really... Oh, didn't really bad season last year.
0: Yeah, didn't have a it's great a season call.
1: last year, but I don't think they played. I don't yeah. think they quite gelled together. Got the, the two
0: early draft picks, yeah, as incu- Lucy's talked about. Yeah,
1: including yeah. number one. So I think that's going to put in two quality players into their midfield. Oh, and just into their team. They have a really good midfield already, and we saw that last year the AFLW was so unpredictable. Couldn't really guess. I
2: th- Yeah, I'm, fair enough. I'm gonna what go to, you, I'm what gonna do you, go do you to think, W3. Harrison? It's a short season, thoughts? and if you get off to a slow start, you're in trouble. And Melbourne did that last year. Yeah. But I think with their midfield and their balance, I think the, the Dees um, could get up. Go
0: Dees, go Daisy. Um, I'm gonna stick my neck out and go with Adelaide. Uh, oh, really?
1: Uh, <laughs> safe option <off, isn't> there.
0: <laughs> uh, I think Adelaide have just got the best best list. Uh, you know, I think they'll back it up. Um, next question. Uh, Whose midfield do you like better out of the two club in focus, uh, the GWS and Port Adelaide?
1: Um, if you'd asked me this before, I'd had a seriously thorough look at Port's uh, midfield. I would have said GWS for sure. But I really like the look of this Port midfield. They're so versatile. They've got so, many, they've got so many ball winners and they have got a bit of run on the outside and they can all go forwards and their forwards can't play in the I reckon... They definitely have the biggest <laughs> midfield in the comp, and I reckon they might just have a better one than GWS. But I know Harp. Yeah, what are you thinking about that? It's
2: interesting looking at these two midfields. Um, I think the Giants have more top-end talent in their midfield, but I think probably the I think Port have a deeper midfield. Just, um, but I like the balance of the Giants midfield better. I think their inside and outside players um, match up uh, a bit better than the Port ones. I think you know with Whitfield Scully on the outside, and then you've got, you know, Killing, you know, Shield, Kelly on the inside. I, ju- I think the Giants just get the nod in the middle.
0: Yeah, I think it's an easy decision for mine. I think you GWS have the most just complete midfield with those two wingers, uh, those ball-winning uh, hard nuts, and then the classy, uh, speedy players in Shield, you know, the Judd-type player that can burst out of the pack. I think Port Adelaide have got a lot of those bulls that, get the ball, and they're smart players, they find the ball, but I don't think they can match it with GWS. We've got one more question to finish off. Now, we're looking at two two forwards that have struggled early in their career. Yep, both played the two seasons, haven't they? Yes. Yep. Now, Josh Shackey, there's been a lot of talk about him. Do we see someone like Sam Wiedemann potentially reaching the level of Shackey, Well, as they progress, or do you think Shackey's going to be a step ahead? So, th- Wiedemann or Shacky.
2: I think, I mean, we've seen a lot less of Wiedemann than what we have of Shacky. But I think from what we've seen of Shacky, there's the thing that's missing in Shacky's game, the reason that he's struggled um, like Wiedemann, is we just haven't seen that competitive uh, beast in him yet. We, mm. I mean, we've seen things that he, he's got a beautiful kick. He can... Um, he can take the occasional contested mark and he straightens them up well, but I think competitiveness you can't quite teach, so I'd go with Sam Wiedemann. I'm going to go against you here harp I mean admit,
1: I I admit, having watched Wiedemann play a lot of junior footy as well. He's a amazing talent. Amazing talent, but I don't know, I feel like he goes more out of games than what
2: goes missing. Shaki, a bit. Yeah,
1: he goes yeah. I think he goes a bit more missing than what Shacky does. And um, that would that would worry Probably Melbourne, and I, th- I think Shaky has the influence to has the ability to influence um, a game more often than what Weidemann does. Fair yeah. You, Bill.
0: Uh, well, uh, I'm hoping Weidemann becomes a <laughs> career gun player, but uh, I'm going to have to go with Shaky. I think he's a better athlete. Uh, I think he just covers the ground a little bit better, which is really important these days as a tall forward. And um, yeah, I think he's he's got the weed covered. Now, boys, that's all we've got time for on today's show. Uh, thanks, show. For, thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure you listen to the podcast uh, available on our Facebook tra- Facebook page and on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be we'll be back tomorrow to discuss all the trades. Thanks for listening to The Trade Table on SYN 90.7, the home of everything you need to know about the trade and free agency period, powered by AFLTRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table or follow us on Twitter at the trade table.